This is 90 Day CEO, the podcast. Created for women out there building their businesses on a mission to get their services and their gifts out into this world. We are Mooch and Melissa, co-founders of 90 Day CEO. We created this podcast to do exactly that. And we are on our own mission to help those of you who want to get gritty and get real and to ditch the BS. To not worry about having that swipe up on Instagram, to not focus on perfectly curated photos, but rather to understand the dynamics of building a business and then focus your passion on your service. You want to show up and serve? Let's get down to build a business. It will get better when. How many times have you heard yourself saying these words or heard somebody else saying these words? Another example or close cousin of it is, once I get through this, things will be better. Or once this happens, uh, life will be normal. And the truth is, if we've learned anything in the last year and a half through what our world is enduring, and, and truthfully, even before that, with what our world has been going through, relying on circumstance is a very disempowering way to live our lives. Um, This is something I learned in my own journey that I'm excited to share with you today. Uh, My name is Melissa Dugalecki, and I've had the privilege of being a part of the Arlington Street community since 2013 um, in different capacities. I came here as a scared mother of a sick daughter who was being treated at Boston Children's Hospital. Um, And after 99 nights of um, battling for her life there in June of 2014, um, she lost her battle. And I returned to this church as a brokenhearted, bereaved mother, um, looking to piece myself back together. And this sanctuary has truly been a gift for me in terms of learning to progress, learning to move forward, learning to heal. Um, But something that I haven't learned anywhere, despite what a lot of textbooks say, is that it doesn't get better. There's no finish line to grief. There's no finish line to bereavement. Um, My daughter is still gone. And so when I began studying grief and I began studying healing and I began studying self-development, it was very natural for me. My background is education. Um, I spent 10 years in high school education. Prior to that, I studied psychology and sociology, certified as a neuro-linguistic programming teacher, master teacher, and coach. And I began shifting my work out of the classroom as we know it in our regular school buildings um, into the online space. Now, this was prior to the pandemic and our world changing to have to be online um, as much as it is. Um, This was prior to that. So when this hit, it was a transition and a progression in understanding how do we really educate online and how do we adjust? Now, of everything that I learned and that I studied, um, whether it was, you know, undergrad or master's or certifications, my greatest teacher to this day remains my daughter, Layden. Uh, She was four months when she passed. She was this bright, wide-eyed little bundle of curiosity and joy and love. And after she passed, as you can imagine, my world was completely shattered. Nothing made sense. Um, I lost my identity as a mother. I lost the uh, vision for what I had for my future um, and for our future as a family. And so when it comes to fight or flight, I'm very fight. And I quickly went into studying all the ways in which I could understand this and master it and not feel this pain anymore. And it was in studying it that I realized I was humbled to learn that our biggest challenges are ones that we don't necessarily fight or flee from but what, rather 
ones that we surrender to. Now, when I say surrender, I don't mean that we give up or we quit. I mean, rather, we stop exerting energy in places that we can't control. We look at what we can control and what we can't. And this is something that was very hard for me in my grief journey. But I will tell you, um, prior to losing my daughter, Layden, I was chronically burned out. Um, I was a people pleaser. I was a should person where I, I checked every should off of my list of how I should live. And these things are really draining. These are draining ways. I know I'm not alone in this. How many of you have done something because you feel like you should, um, or you've done something to please. And of course there is a balance, right? Of responsibility and commitment. Um, but there's also a recognition that we lose ourselves. We lose our identity. We lose our power when we live with everyone and everything else in the driver's seat. And today I'm particularly talking about circumstance. I want you to think about a circumstance in your life that you have thought, if and when this changes, things are going to get better. And I wanna challenge you to think about what if it doesn't change? Not to be depressing, not to be negative, but rather to put you in the seat of empowerment, to put you in your driver's seat so that instead of waiting passively for something that you don't have control over to improve, you are looking actively each day on what you can do to live a life that you love. Because I will tell you, seven years after losing my daughter, Layden, I'm living a life that um, I didn't imagine possible seven years ago. Um, I have moved. I am truly happy. I understand happiness at a level better than I did before I understood grief. Um, it was actually in my greatest grief, my greatest trauma, my greatest loss that I truly understood what happiness was. And I realized how much we all take for granted on a given day. Um, we forget that happiness is something we have the privilege to cultivate and create. It's not something that is necessarily handed to us. So how are we as the drivers and orchestrators of our lives actively working to cultivate happiness? So I'm going to share three things, just three tips that I learned. These were from, I mean, I traveled outside of the country to um, see, you know, famous speakers on grief and near-death experiences speak. I read all the grief books. I did all the parent groups. I had the grief counselor. I had all of this. And I'm, I did all the personal development. I got a life coach, everything. Of course, talked to Reverend Kim at nauseum, right? But I'm taking the best of the best. There's three things that you can integrate today or tomorrow or next week. But anytime you find yourself feeling, once this gets here, it'll be better. Or once this is over, it'll be better. I'm not encouraging you to dismiss the reality of the challenges that you face. I want you to use the word and. Okay, this is like a little bonus of the three. The word and. Something is very challenging. Something is very draining. Um, something might be exhausting, overwhelming, scary. And we have the choice of how we navigate through it, how we grow through it. Because truthfully, even in the seemingly most infertile soil of growth, we always have the opportunity to grow. Again, something I learned in my grief journey, never thought I would have grown through it. But in fact, that was the choice that I made. And I want to encourage you to do the same. So one thing that I always ask myself is if I could do just one thing to feel better or happier today, what would it be? Now, my friend, Brandon Collinsworth, he has an amazing story. He grew up in the streets of Las Vegas, um, remembers picking food out of a dumpster with his mom 
never sure where the next meal was going to come from, witnessed a friend at a young age injured in a drive-by shooting and decided that he needed to take control of his life at a young age. He began um, reading book after book. He would borrow them from bookstores to self-educate. He eventually got into UPenn. He is now a Nike master trainer for yoga and meditation and has been sponsored by Nike to travel the world to learn from Buddhists and teachers all around to bring the most premier yoga and meditation practices to Nike. And so I asked him, I was like, Brandon, like, how, how do you do this? He looks and he says, Big Mo, baby, Big Mo. I said, what is Big Mo? Big momentum. He said, now, Big Momentum is actually just one little thing a day. And this was a strategy that I used, too. Of course, I didn't have quite a catchy name like Big Mo, so I'm combining them and I'm sharing it with you. But the idea of Big Mo is how am I doing one thing today that's going to help me feel a little bit better or a little bit happier? And how am I trusting that that is going to build momentum, big momentum? Now, oftentimes we cloud this. Currently, I've transitioned from mindset coaching to coaching other coaches how to build their work online um, so they can get all their gifts out there. And what I tell them, what I tell my entrepreneurs, my online coaches, is that they will often have a list, a very, very long list of everything they have to do on a given day. And they become so overwhelmed. And they think, how am I possibly going to get this done? Have you ever experienced that? Whether it's as a parent uh, working your corporate job, running your own business, just as a human. Like, how am I going to get all these things done? And I've challenged all of my entrepreneurs to look at their lists and to think of the one thing. If you could do nothing else, if you can only do one thing today that's going to build momentum and progress for your business, what is it going to be? Identify that. It's the same thing in our personal lives. So one thing that you want to do when we're feeling that it will get better when I'm going to wait this one out and I'm going to wait out until this ends until the world goes a little less crazy, right? We could be waiting for a while, right? So what is one thing, if nothing else gets done today, what is one thing that is going to help you feel better? Now, this could be simple. This could be going for a walk. This could be paying a bill you've been avoiding paying. This could be I don't know, I'm reaching out to a friend. This could be um, starting the first chapter of a book that you've committed to. It could be opening online content for a program that you signed up for. It could be looking into um, a place where you can get a mentor or a teacher or a coach to support you with something in your life. It could be getting the grocery shopping done. It could be finally purging the closet, right? Getting rid of some clutter. It doesn't have to be all encumbersome. It doesn't have to be an all day affair. It doesn't have to be draining. What is one thing that you can do today to build that big mo? Second thing um, actually comes from Deepak Chopra um, and kind of my own practicing of it. But Deepak Chopra is an amazing um, teacher and coach. And what he, his spirituality practices are uh, widely, widely known worldwide. I highly recommend his book, The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. One of those laws is one that has been profound for me in my grief journey. Now, it's not just grief though. Here's the thing, is nothing really changes in grief except all of the pain and all of the insecurities we have and uh, the beliefs that we have. Everything, it's like it's on a magnifying glass and it comes right up to the surface. So it's really grief is just a very intensified version or time or phase or chapter of life. 
right? Where everything is very, very, very intense and your capacity is more limited. So it's like, if you have this much space, it takes everything to the top. So your breathing room is a little bit further gone and you're looking a lot more closely at all your stuff, right? And so when I talk about grief though, this applies to life because you can do this on a daily basis. One of his seven spiritual laws of success is the art of practicing detachment. This is something that can seem cold or emotionless, but it's actually the opposite. Because what it does is it's when we recognize there is not permanency to anything. There is not permanency to anything. We begin to bring more presence to any given moment. We begin to bring more gratitude to any given moment. And we detach from clinging on to something as if it needs to stay in our lives forever. And rather, we replace it with a total appreciation and presence for when it is there. Now, this can be even an appreciation of presence for pain, right? And recognizing this isn't going to be here forever, right? This isn't going to be here forever. And so with that, when we practice detachment, we are letting go of this need for others to show up in the world the way we do, for others to act a certain way, for something to be in our lives permanently. And rather, we're really understanding that each moment is a gift. And each moment is a part of our experience. Now, um, this can play into um, this feeling of entitlement, which is something that I have really studied in my grief journey. Um, This idea of how is this happening for me instead of why is this happening to me? Really, that's a a powerful one. If you take that one away and you write this down, you're going to get a lot, a lot more freedom, a lot more lightness in your life, right? Instead of how is this or why is this happening to me? How is this happening for me? I'll never forget this moment, this light bulb moment after losing my daughter Layden, where I was walking down the street and I just, I was by Boston Children's Hospital and I had this moment of, holy cow, I wasn't entitled to anything. I'm walking around as if I was entitled to have a perfectly healthy child. Now, I can want a healthy child. I am worthy of one. I can be sad that my daughter wasn't healthy. I can grieve. I can do all of these things. But the truth is, I wasn't entitled to anything. In fact, being able to create a human being and having those four months with her was a gift. That changed my life. That understanding of receiving, right, that we aren't entitled to anything, nothing. We are worthy and deserving of everything. And very often our society teaches it backwards. It teaches us that we're not worthy. We're not deserving. We need to prove our worth. We need to prove our deservingness. We need to dress a certain way, talk a certain way, make a certain amount to be worthy. And that's not true. We are inherently worthy beings. We're not entitled to anything. And what happens is we think we're not worthy. We think we're not deserving. But yet we think we're entitled to uh, the world working a certain way or things going a certain way. Now we can work towards it. We can fight for it. We can advocate for it. Of course, we have to remember that things are out there for us to create to seize, to take action, to make happen. It's not just to be handed to us. By the work that we do here on ourselves and as a community is so powerful. And the last thing that I'm going to encourage you, the third tip is what can I control and what can't I control, right? One thing that we can control is our word, our thoughts, our energy. Another book that I love, The Four Agreements, 
Damagam Rory is amazing, huge in my grief journey, my life journey. One of his agreements is being impeccable with your word. And many people interpret that as not lying. But being impeccable with your word means understanding that any thought and word is going to create your reality. So are we putting out there words of what might go wrong, of toxicity, of negativity, of gossip? Are we putting out there words to manipulate other people's actions, thoughts, or behaviors? And can we shift to be impeccable with our word? Because our word, our energy, is the only thing we have control over. So on a given day, when we get up and we say, what can I control and what can't I control? You can control your thoughts. You can control your words. Now, you might have to work, right? Because you might have some conscious thoughts or some old stories or programming that creep in there. This is why mindset work is so powerful. I always teach my clients to look at things and I say, you have four options. You can change it, you can leave it, you can accept it, or you can prioritize it. Change, leave, accept, prioritize. Now, where we get hung up is that we often think we can change things that we can't. We can't change other people's behavior. We can't change other people's beliefs. We can change how we show up. We can change how we use our energy. Right? Leave, right? To truly leave. But when we leave, we truly let it go. We don't leave and carry resentment or anger or victimization. We truly release. Accept. Can we honestly, sincerely accept something in its most genuine form for what it is? Even if we don't align with it, can we accept what something is, right? Can we surrender to what we can't control and use our energy to react in a way that we can control and then prioritize? What is the one thing that's really important if nothing else gets done today that I want to accomplish for me and my growth? Now, when I look at this every day, right, what I can control and what I can't control, how is this happening for me? Practicing detachment. If I can do just one thing to feel better today, what would that be? Um, I often think of a couple of phrases, one that I used to use with my students and one that my friend Brandon and I actually um, have embraced. I heard him teach it here in Mexico in English. I adjusted it to Spanish um, and I use this every day. I used to say to my students, I was in athletics, let's win the day. Let's just focus on today. Let's win the day. Forget about anything else. Forget about the season. Just win the day as a human. And then I heard my friend Brandon speak. Um, and what he said is, today is the day. Today is the day. That's it. Tomorrow's not here yet. Yesterday's gone. Today is the day. So how do I today show up in a way where I do just one thing to make myself feel better, right? To work towards my growth. How do I practice detaching from what I can't control and realize I'm not a victim of circumstance, but rather I am privileged to experience this lifetime. And then letting go of what I can't control. So I put all my energy into what I can control. And when that happens, I trust that the growth will come. I might not see it right away, but over time, those emotional progress photos, the lightness, the glow, the happiness, the less chaos, the less drama, those emotional progress photos, they're going to come. And so now that I live in Mexico, I have changed it from today is the day to hoy es el día. And I invite you all, my spiritual companions, on this journey with me, this continued grief journey, because as I said, if I were waiting for things to get better, I would still be waiting. My daughter is gone. So join me in not waiting and not allowing life to pass you by 
waiting for it to get better when, and rather realize, why is Saldia? How am I building that big mo? How am I showing up powerfully for myself and doing just one thing? And how am I refusing to hand over this ride, this journey, this incredible thing of life? How am I refusing to get out of the driver's seat and let circumstance or anyone else in, but rather I'm standing in my power and I'm paving my own path. Thank you all for being on this journey with me as I came to Arlington Street Church as a hopeful mother and then a bereaved mother. You have been a part of every step subsequent to that. And it is an absolute honor to be here and share. And I invite you to join me in embracing this idea that no matter what we're carrying, whether it's a grief journey or something else or a difficult week, a difficult month, a difficult season or year, uh, that we don't wait for circumstance to get better, uh, to feel better, that we don't wish our life away saying, when this happens, then I'll find happiness. But instead we remember that we are the orchestrators of our life and our happiness. Nobody else gets to pave this path for us. How are we building big mo? just a little bit at a time and remembering that today is the day. Oyes al día, friends. <laughs>